Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle Podcast. Like the man said, I am your anchorman of the Federation, Jonathan Wiegand, sitting behind the beautiful golden OPP microphone, ready to embark even more on our DS9 176-plus episode review. And a journey of a thousand steps starts with a single one. And today we're on episode two. Uh, titled is Past Prologue. We get to see a little bit of the backstory, you know, some of Kira's past. You know, kind of like, what did terrorists do during the occupation of Bajor? Interesting stuff. But uh, just a reminder before we get into that, this is, again, going to be a weekly review in addition to what we have to do with our other, you know, great Trek content um, as well. But I wanted to add a little bit more spice to these episodes and I thought it'd be really fun to do counters like and trackers throughout the whole series so we can get at the very end and say well they did this eight times and they did uh Julian hit on Dax 437 times so I was like okay we're gonna have to do that <laughs> and we're just gonna have to count up all the ridiculous stuff that happens very frequently so for example we're currently tracking uh, number one, like I mentioned before, Julian hitting on Dax. We're at two times on that. The weird, uncomfortable situations between Garrick and Julian. Again, that that's at one time. This is the first. This episode is the first time we saw Garrick, so we're bringing him in at one. And then something that I've always noticed, and I'm very curious, is Kira's hair changes. So currently we're at two. And before we get into the episode, really fun fact here is that the reason they changed it from episode one to episode two is because that came at the request of Nana Vister because she didn't think you know Kira would be the person that would style their hair every day and sit in front of the mirror and do that so they just kind of gave her that I guess I don't know it's not a buzz cut but it's a very short hairstyle so that's why it abruptly changed anyway we just wanted to start out and thank everybody and remind everyone for listening and reviewing and uh the patrick stewart memoir episode two thank you so much we do have our hundredth episode celebration coming out and that i we have a very special guest uh she's been on the podcast before and she'll be coming back so we're excited to do that i think we might do another drinking trek review maybe i don't know (laughs) so that's going to be for the hundredth episodes i'm very excited about that Wherever you're streaming at, whether it's a data pad, hollow novel, wherever at, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps the podcast out tremendously. So without further ado, Luna, let's roll. I'm sure if you're a fan of DS9 and, and have been a fan of DS9 for several years you'll always hear you know people say it only gets good after season three and i definitely think there's some kernel truth to that in a general sense i will say that i i really forgot how some of these 
early episodes are, are actually really good and actually really entertaining. And what DS9 does better than any other Star Trek show is that it, it starts off with just incredibly well-fleshed-out characters, and they always have a ton of personality right from day one. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say the possible only exception would, in my opinion, might be Jadzia, and I believe the writers... I mean, they the writers, right? Luna, Luna the intern, everybody. The writers actually acknowledged that they didn't know what to do with her. You know, they just have this this beautiful lady on set and she's a trill and it's uh, so they're like they kind of didn't know what to do with her but for this particular episode past prologue it continues the strong start that the emissary part one and part two began and it's kind of past the baton and i mean there's going to be some goofy episodes ahead so just be prepared for that i'm excited is it ala moraine I know that's coming. <laughs> so there's going to be some fun episodes in the front head. But do you know what? This Let's not forget that these aren't too terrible either. And I would say the most memorable part of this episode is the introduction of the probably one of the most interesting, jaded, confusing characters in Elam Garrick. We're going to get more into that soon in the episode, but we, we see him finally make an appearance and it, it kind of really steals the show. Overall, this episode, just a reminder, if you haven't watched it in some time, we, we have a Bajoran terrorist cell um, called the Cone Ma, and they are still kind of attacking the Cardassians after the withdrawal from Bajor, and they're kind of been doing these quote-unquote unspeakable crimes against the Cardassian people. We have this old contact from Kira's past, comes back to DS9. He's on the run. He comes into DS9 looking for asylum. And then he ends up kind of working with the Dura sisters to prep a bomb to blow up the wormhole. And he's saying it's for nonviolent and it's he he just wants to get the Federation and everybody, and everybody off of Bajor's back. But we'll get into more of that later. That is the overall kind of synopsis of the episode. I have some stray observations. So speaking of Dax, you know, she, she kind of just barely exists here. And what's troubling in, in, in terms of her character was that I didn't realize how little she was a part of everything until it kind of popped up halfway through the episode. You know, like... I know she eventually gets more fleshed out, but at the beginning, it just kind of takes me back a little bit. And I will say the the best line of the episode is by far, is Cisco saying to Kira, if you go above my head again, I'll have yours on a silver plate. And that is Benjamin Cisco in a nutshell. Shows the human side of Cisco and the, and the real world. You know, this is not some heavenly Picard of season one of TNG, this dude is busting balls, busting ovaries, and getting shit done. Okay? <laughs> Am I drinking? Maybe, but let's not get into that. Um, he's just get doing... It's, it's not even about the doing it, man. He's just getting the job done. And we don't... And it's kind of finally nice to see that. You know, it's, it's a real sci-fi real person response you know because i've had people go above my head before and for erroneous reasons not my current job but like prior places and it's just it just really makes me mad so either way 
moving on, another kind of great moment is the effing awkward Garrick Bashir thing. Because, like, he, like, goes behind him and he, like, puts his hands on his shoulders. And he's, the whole time I'm like, this is, like, really... Because they came, so they came out and said, yeah, we know Garrick is gay. And so I think I haven't done a rewatch since that announcement's been made. So I've been like, I was like, all right, I'm going to kind of go back and watch and see if this is true. And you know, there's some pretty freaking strong evidence <laughs> from the very beginning. I was like, yeah, I can see it now. And it's another funny thing, stray observation, is Kira mentions you know, they need to bring back these splinter groups to Bajor. If Bajor is going to succeed, we need to we need to get everyone back home. And I'm like, how many freaking groups are there? And they don't really ever bring it up again. It's just, it, it just seems like there's like tens and tens of thousands. I was like, are there? Or is it just kind of like kind of bumped up for this episode? Kind of like making it seem more of a big deal. But still, if these people are committing acts of war after the war, they're war criminals. Speaking of of war crimes, let's talk about this plot hole here in the script. So I love the logic of blowing up the wormhole by Tano to to get rid of the Federation. So Tano-los, yeah, it sounds like a Spanish beach town. He wants to get rid of the Federation. He wants to do it in a non-violent way, so he wants to blow up the wormhole. But the, the Federation were on DS9 and orbiting Bajor before the wormhole was even discovered. So it really wouldn't matter if he destroys the wormhole or not because the Federation's not going anywhere. So that's just... And and plus, the Bajorans believe their gods, the prophets, are in the wormhole. So he would be destroying their gods. What the F, dude? (laughs) So I, I don't really understand that at all i think it's i don't know i mean the writing is normally very good but this one was pretty pretty yeah pretty sucky to me we kind of see the the foundation in this episode and this is a little easter egg for future episodes in season two and season three about that nationalist bajoran kind of movement that comes on you know they in the future seasons they come and they spray paint the symbols and they're like yeah Bajorans for Bajorans and, and all Bajorans and only Bajorans type of thing. And um, yeah, and it's this is kind of the foundation. We kind of see that from Tonalos be like when he uh, exuberantly says Bajorans for Bajorans. Um, also, to the, the last stray observation before we get into, you know, more formalized review of the episode is uh, when Tonalos is, is debating Kira. It's just like he's constantly be like, you've changed, man. I'm like, dude, it's been like two freaking weeks. She's like, you've been working with the Federation, been getting in their bed, and you're just not the same, man. Like, you've changed, bro. I'm like, it's only been like, what, a mu- like two weeks, three weeks? Like, she's she was literally out. She says that in the first episode. And Emissary, she was like, I was literally fighting, and then now I'm, boom, here on the station. So I was very confused by that. But I, I definitely like the the take was he was being trying to manipulate her and be like, hey, you used to be cool. You should, like, try to blow up this religious wormhole. Like, that'd be cool. <laughs> I'm not a big drinker. So just a little little about me. I was in Raleigh um, the past couple days. So 
I don't normally drink a lot, but I had, I had a few old fashions and now I'm drinking now. So hopefully we can keep it together through this review. <laughs> and speaking of review, let's actually advance a little bit to our review here. Why I think past prologue works so well is that we can see this coming from the moment Kira was introduced in Emissary. Kira is this passionate, devoted to her people, freedom fighter, and she's fighting back at these against these oppressors, and now she's taking on this role in this kind of flailing Bajoran government, and she's working to help build the bridge between Bajor and the Federation, and she obviously has mixed feelings about this, and and I think it's something that we'll see a lot in the next uh, season or two is this, you know, they fought so hard to get their freedom and to secure Bajor's independence that now all of a sudden they're bringing in the Federation and you're kind of like, well, what the, what the F bro? Like, why are we bringing in another massive entity to kind of oversee us and help us? And again, you could say the Cardassians were like, hey, we're helping you too. We're just putting you in labor camps. And again, I guess the Cardassians are from Brooklyn. But so I, I understand the logic makes sense. And I think that's what good writing does is that you can say, oh, I understand everyone's point of view in this. You know, the Feder like we know what the Federation is and, and their experiences throughout, you know, all of Star Trek. So we can definitely be like, no, these are the good guys. They're going to come help. But, you know, Bajor, not so much. They don't know. And we have the Cardassians still doing Cardi things, not Cardi B, but still doing Cardi things, lurking in the margins, ready to take advantage of even the slightest show of weakness uh, from Bajor or the Federation. So you have this uh, kind of Cold Warian type of feel throughout the first couple episodes. And Kira is a bit suspicious of Cisco from the very beginning and kind of resentful of the fact that, you know, I have to take orders from this guy who wasn't in the trenches with me wasn't around eating rations and starving to death and kind of doing all these crazy like escapades against the Cardassians so now this guy just comes in and now he's in charge so I understand the resentment there and the and the questioning of his leadership but that also means we see in prologue that you know people from Kira's old life are going to occasionally show up in the show people with their own agenda people who aren't on board with being friendly with with outsiders friendly with the federation and it calls kira's loyalty into questions a hundred percent and this whole episode is about divided loyalty and that delicate balance i guess you could even say it's a high wire act you know it's kind of just going back and forth and we and we've seen this specifically with the bajorans you know back on next generation we saw ro lauren played by the great michelle forbes she faced a similar crisis in, that Kira's has in prevent post, in preemptive strike. But there, Roe was, you know, sort of a special guest star, and she appeared in a handful of episodes, but she, so she was recognizable to the audience, but her choices on the show weren't defined by need to keep her in the same space, so to speak, as, you know, the rest of the ensemble. So this meant when Roe was asked to spy on a group of freedom fighters she found that they were good people and their goals were kind of the same as hers and it also meant that when push comes to shove when rose sided with those freedom fighters she abandoned starfleet and you know engineered that rare disappointment 
in Picard from her mentor. And then we saw it come full circle again in Picard season three. But this was all regular because Roe wasn't a, lack of a better term, regular on the show. Uh, you know, TNG was coming to the end of its seventh season, and this was one of the last few episodes of season seven. So why the hell not? Let's just run with it. However, now Kira's a regular. And theoretically, they, the show could pull a fast one on us and ditch her in the early going. But to me, that, that, that wouldn't really work. We're, we're too close to the start of a, a big series to kind of sucker punch us into that effect. And, and even Edgy Trek isn't big on rug pulling ever. Now, I can't talk about the newer stuff, but the, the golden age of Star Trek, not so much. So to me, when I first watched this episode... Kira's facing someone from her past. She has to make a difficult decision, decide where her loyalties lies. I knew by the end it was going to be who she was going to like take to the prom. We know she was going to stick with Cisco and the Federation. Even though, you know, Tana Lowe's had these great, long, high-minded lectures. They, they did, I will say this, they did make a good job with Tano. Or Tana, should I say, not Tano. <laughs> is because, you know, if you make him too corrupt, the whole storyline just gets absurd. And then it's tempting to make him a flat-out, you know, butthole. But in doing so, you know, Kira would be off, let off the hook. It's like, yeah, this guy's a complete butthole. And the rest of the guys are good, good, like, moral Boy Scouts in comparison. So you kind of have to have this guy look like an idealistic warrior who's had to turn to crime and... and frustrated he never got recognized as the hero by the current government and he's like well i'm gonna get my fair share and try to get the immense wealth with the rival i mean they could have gone that way but i don't know i think we we kind of get something close to that but not exactly that you know tana is still fighting the good fight but he he arrives at ds9 saying hey i'm completely done i want i just want to like live my life on bejor and be whatever be done and we we kind of don't get that he kind of just immediately turns on Kira and we kind of see, especially when the Klingons show up, which we'll get into. It's one of my dislikes of the episode. It just kind of felt, okay, run of the mill at that point. I will say this. One big part that surprised me was how quickly Cisco granted asylum. I expected much of this episode to focus on Kira and Cisco going back and forth on how to best deal with Tana's past crimes. And, you know, Cisco was not really there at all, so it's kind of difficult for him, and he has to be more understanding from Kira's. But the fact that Cisco was like, yep, asylum, asylum got him, bingo, bingo, no problem, I, I think that was kind of surprising to me, but it's okay. I mean, that was before Tana's true colors were revealed, and it wouldn't be very smart for a Starfleet officer trying to establish di diplomatic relations with a foreign body to hand over one of the... <laughs> Uh, entities like citizens to their sworn enemies for whatever you know crimes he did or didn't do so it's like yeah it's politically it's a smart move too yeah so that that's one thing that did surprise me now getting into the likes of the episode there, there's a lot to like here I appreciate that Kira's decision is made without a lot of hand wringing and going back and forth like sure she's upset and none too happy about what she has to do, but as soon as she's figured out that Tana's knew that she'd be on the station, been planning on exploiting her all along, she's like, boom, I, I can't go with you, bro. And kind of like what I said a couple minutes ago, like, 
we knew you know, there's not going to be any rug pulling here. We knew what was going to happen at the end. But um, it's also nice that she doesn't immediately go to Cisco with this information. Instead, she pays a visit to Odo for moral advice. And this is one of the first times we see them establish their friendship and reinforces the idea that, you know, Odo is this straight shooter type of guy, you know, and and they're going to have this beautiful friendship professionally and personally that they can build upon and be fleshed out in future seasons. So this this was the first time we got to see that. It was good. I love that she went to him, but I guess, like, going back to Tana bombing the wormhole is that I, I understand, like, okay, he's moral. I would say he's moral in that way. It's, you know, his goals, in my mind, aren't really helping what's best for Bajor in the long run. I think he's very a single-minded individual, which means he can accomplish amazing things. It just means he's worse than useless in a society which needs to compromise to survive. And he does not want to compromise at all. So he's a very complex guy, and I really liked kind of reinforcing what I said a couple minutes ago like I liked how they played him you know it they didn't play him a complete butthole a hundred percent but they didn't complete play him a you know righteous idealistic warrior either so a good balancing act and for dislikes and, and for failings on the episode I, I know Garrick is, is is great but Bashir kind of seems like a twerp throughout most of his scenes uh I mean, Garrick basically has to literally spell it out to him like he's a moron. He, he's like, hey, you need to come to my shop at 1130. He's like, well, I don't need a suit. He's like, no, come to my shop at 1130. I, I, I don't mind if the good doctor isn't up on his set, like espionage tactics yet, but there's no need to make him an idiot. And I know it, it, it's almost like he's like overtly childish. You know, and, and kind of like that vibe. And I, if he's supposed to be the top of his, or I'm sorry, second of his class, and one of the best young doctors in the fleet who had his pick to go anywhere, why treat him that way? Why make him... So it's kind of hard to be like, okay, he's a serious medical genius. Oh, but he's also a child. So it's kind of tough to see that. And uh, another of my dislikes is, is using the Duras sisters as Tana's Klingon contacts. I think it's a silly way to remind us that DS9 is connected to TNG. And, you know, the characters, I mean, they're okay and they serve the purpose for the narrative, but a new Klingon would have just done the job just as well. And, you know, I, I was reading one review and it was like, the guy said he got a weird feeling because it just only feels like there's only 20 Klingons in the whole world, in the universe, because we just keep seeing the same over and over and over again. So, like, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe we can expand on it. And I will say they definitely do going forward. To kind of wrap up this episode as we end it, I, I would give this an episode a solid 3.8 out of 5, simply because it does set the table to give us a little more and give us some great character moments and fleshing out and laying foundations that we'll see pay off in future seasons, you know, like the Odo-Kira relationship, the Kira-Cisco relationship, the Bajoran Federation relationship. But I, I like this episode to be a little bit more focused on other items and not doing another foundation blank. We, we just had two hours of that in Emissary. Now we have, we have like almost another 30 minutes of this episode doing that. However, I, I will say 3.8 out of 5 is still a great and above average score. I'm going to be very hard scoring this 
series. So fives are going to be impossible. 4.5s are going to be rare. Fours are going to be just a good episode, enjoyed episode. So 3.8 is, is right there. That's not bad. It's not bad. I'm not going to go through and be like, everything was five. It was great, huge, great, known better. No, I'm not going to do that because that's a waste of your time and my time. And we have the brightest, best audience in the quadrant. So I'm going to get you guys one better than that. And again, kind of like my stray thoughts at the beginning of the of this episode was there's some inconsistencies and a little bit of plot holes that took me out of it so that again that's why the 3.8 but luna that has been our review of past prologue season one episode two of deep space nine so luna let's wrap it up Thank you all so much for listening. And just a reminder, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening, whatever computer, desktop, hollow pad, phone, we would greatly appreciate it. And we'll thank you so much for that. Um, I think we're about to hit 27,000 followers on Instagram. And we're at the top 50, top 60 on Apple Podcasts for TV reviews. So thank you so much for that. So I, I definitely appreciate all the love and support you guys. And again, feel free to reach out. I love connecting with you guys. It's always so much fun and um, getting to hear from everybody. And again, if you're looking for some good stuff, if you're looking, if you're kind of late Friday night, you want to, you're in a show hole, you don't know what to do. You're kind of looking around and being like, I wish somebody would give me a great recommendation on a show to watch. Well, look no further then jasontalksmovies.wordpress.com. Yes, Luna, that is jasontalksmovies.wordpress.com. It is, if I could say that is the best piece of movie and TV, non-track movie and TV blog out there, I would say it. It is is the cat's meow. Is that a saying? Can I, are we going to edit? We'll probably edit that out. So it is, it is absolutely great. Please check it out great friend of the podcast so please remember to go really appreciate it and read his stuff and also november we're november 9th 10th whenever this episode is going to come out and it's it is mental health month for men but why include men let's give it for everybody so i know we have seasonal depression coming in so just remember you guys are valued you're loved we need you here please feel free to reach out to to those people in your life they care about you and we need you here guys so remember keep those crowns on straight kings and queens and luna second start of the right straight on till morning